Trudy Morgan Cole, and this is Shelf Esteem, the podcast where I talk to interesting people about books that they found interesting. My guests this week are writer and avid reader, Melissa Barbeau, and another avid reader and library lover, Lara Maynard. They are both on the board of the Torbay Public Library, and we had a great conversation about books and all the books that we're interested in, as well as some that we're very much looking forward to. So join us for the next little while, and I hope you'll enjoy this conversation as much as we did. As usual, I started by asking, what have you read lately that's left a big impression on you? And Melissa started us off. I have been reading lately. Um, I read a lot of nonfiction, and I also read a lot of fiction, but I read almost more nonfiction than Uh fiction. So I've been reading lately Natural Born Heroes by an unknown author. Okay. (laughs) Um, Which was about... um, a group of resistance fighters in Greece in the Second World War. Oh, really? Um, and on the island of Crete, I want to say. Now I'm... Second-guessing yourself? Second-guessing myself on the island of Crete. Um, and the Germans were really uh, focused on taking over that island because it was strategically important, and they felt if they took Greece that they would eventually uh, be able to take Russia. It was uh-huh. a launching point for Russia. Um, but what they didn't count on was um, the resistance mm-hmm. on that island and they took it but there was people running through the mountains and really just put a huge thorn uh, in the side of the Germans there and they actually kidnapped one of the generals um, with the idea of and they eventually accomplished it spiriting them off the island to uh-huh. Egypt and just undermining the Germans confidence there by wow. kidnapping one of the generals that were on the island uh-huh. you know the butcher type thing and just get, getting rid of him. Wow. Yeah, that's so such that's an interesting story. I've never heard of the book. Yeah, natural. And um, I'm so sorry. I've forgotten the name. <laughs> immediately forgotten the name <laughs> of the person. Uh, but he also wrote a book. He writes a lot about running. Uh-huh. Christopher McDougall, I think his name is. He also writes a lot about running. And he wrote a book about um, runners that were in um, uh, indigenous tribe in Mexico oh, who okay. went on to win all kinds of like long-distance running competitions. They would run with no shoes. And they were just sort of these you know, natural uh-huh. runners. And so wow. that's sort of his focus and looks at the physiology and looks at the history of running. And uh-huh. so that's what I've been reading. Oh, cool. Yeah. What about you, Lara? What have you been reading lately? I have been reading so much this summer, uh-huh. tons and tons. But um, one of the books that I read lately, I read, it was, it was an audio book, so I listened to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, it's uh, Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah and it was it, all over it. social media. Uh-huh. And I'm usually kind of wary about the books that everybody loves. Yes, yeah. You know, because yeah. like, I tend not to love them. Mm-hmm. But um, then I heard that it was loosely based on Fleetwood Mac. Oh, really? The band, and that piqued my interest. Uh-huh. You know, child of the 80s kind yes, of thing. yeah. And uh, so I put it on hold at the library. Uh-huh. Love the NLPL. Yes. And um, came in, and I, I listened to it. I loved it. It was... Um, it was told by multiple narrators uh-huh. who were all really well done by different actress actors. Uh-huh. And one of those was Jennifer Beale. Oh, okay. Do you remember from, was it Flashdance or some something in the 80s? One she of those was big 80s movies, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Benjamin Bratt, who was uh-huh. in Law and Order years ago, oh, wow. handsome guy. <laughs> and um, it was just so well done. And um, it, it, 
it was about relationships and about creativity and creative differences and fame and addiction and oh, wow. it got a, a lot of stuff in there and uh -huh. it, it it um it reminded me oddly of um George Saunders book uh, what's the Lincoln and the Bardo? Oh, my yeah, so much. I because so of the much too. the multiple narrators. Mm, no, yeah. it didn't have it. I think there were gazillions in Lincoln yes, and the Bardo. Yeah, there yeah. weren't that many, uh -huh. but it was something something about it reminded me of that. Oh yeah, and the whole audiobook experience was excellent. That's interesting. I have I have only just gotten into listening to audiobooks, but I've only been doing it for nonfiction, and I've never listened to like a novel on audiobook, especially one where there's like actors doing the yeah. different voices. Yeah. That yeah. would be great. Yeah. Um, I nonfiction was my gateway drug <laughs> into uh, Audio. audiobooks. Uh -huh. I I didn't think I'd be an audiobook person, mm -hmm. and then the the library system started doing yes. Overdrive and yeah. this Libby mm -hmm. app. Mm -hmm. And um, I have insomnia, uh -huh. and so I thought audiobooks would be a good thing to do during the nighttime uh -huh. that wouldn't disturb my husband. Right, yeah. And um, so I started doing audiobooks, but mostly nonfiction to begin mm -hmm. with, because I didn't think that my brain would hold a thread of a novel through yes, a whole Yes, that's night. exactly my thought. Yeah. I didn't think of mine would either. And the other thing is, um, with, with audiobooks, you can't hold on to sentences the same way. Yeah. Like if, I'm, if I'm reading a physical book, I like to take note or mm -hmm. take a picture of the sentence yeah. or something if there's a sentence that's really juicy and I love it or uh -huh. it catches my imagination and with audiobooks you can't do that so nonfiction was yeah. my entry into audiobooks and then I, I moved up to short fiction on mm -hmm. audiobooks uh, the airlit shorts right yes for, yeah, if you get some of those from the library that was a really good introduction to fiction mm -hmm. um, on book and I think um Tita Jones and the Six was one of my first full novel and audiobooks. Yeah. But because of the multi multiple narrators and the different actors' voices, it, there was something about that that allowed me to digest it uh -huh. and really enjoy it. That is so interesting. Yeah, and there's yeah. some there's a piece of music at the end which was worth oh, listening nice. to the whole thing wow. for. Yeah. Nice, yeah. that's great. How long does it take you to listen to? A whole audio oh, novel. Well, I mean, some are, some are six or seven hours, and some are 12, and some are 24. Yeah, yeah. So, they can really stretch. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, the ones I've been listening to with the mainly nonfiction have usually been between like the six and six to eight hour range, which is, you know, good for several walks or yeah. drives, which is generally yeah. when I listen to audiobooks, either while walking the dog or if I've got to drive any distance by myself. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's interesting. Maybe I'll maybe I'll be drawn into uh, into audiobook fiction now. Yeah. 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 Short stories are a really good way to start. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, what are some of the books, sort of, you know, we've talked a little bit about what you're reading now, but as you look back, what are some of the books that you would say have had a big impact or a big influence on, on you, sort of like the books that linger with you? For me, the book the book that lingers for me, I think, the, the two books that linger for me the most are uh -huh. The English Patient, uh -huh. which I can never let go, and I really do feel like that's... You know, I read as a kid, and uh -huh. I read Nancy Drew, yeah. and when I got a bit older, I read Harlequin Romances. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the first book that I read that I felt like that was an adult reading was The English Patient. Oh, I really? felt like at that point, when I read that book, I was like, oh, <laughs> it's not just Nancy Drew out there. That's like, a big jump from Nancy Drew. It was a big jump. <laughs> I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure I've read other things yeah. that you would consider literature in yeah. between there, but that's the first book that I think I, I read it, and I consciously went, oh. 
there's a whole other thing out there mm. other than just stories. Like there's yeah. other things, there's character development and there's building worlds. And even though I knew that, for me, there was something in that book that clicked yeah. and went, oh, there's something else here. Yeah, like that, it's about more than just the story, but it's about how the writer tells right, the story. Right, exactly. The language and everything. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And even that, you know, there could be layers, layers and layers to a story that yeah. you don't necessarily get in a book you read when you're a teenager or, young, uh-huh. you know, when you're younger. Um, so that one for me, really, that one lit a light bulb that I think wasn't lit until then. Yeah. And then I like to I like to read and write strange things. Uh-huh. Um, so for me, Garcia Marquez, when I read, okay. you know, Love in the Time of Cholera is the first of his I read. And uh-huh. for me, I just loved it. I just loved it. And I loved 100 Years of Solitude. And I loved Leaf Storm, which is short stories by him and a great okay. way to get into him. But I love how he would write a story, and so much of it is normal, uh-huh. and there would be just one strange thing in there. Yeah. And it would be so strange, and he would treat it at no differently than walking to the store for eggs. Yeah. You know, that yeah. butterflies would start materializing, materializing out of somebody, and that was yeah. just as normal. Mm-hmm. Or an angel falling from heaven and somebody sticking it in a chicken coop yeah. was just as normal as mm-hmm. getting up and going to work. And I just, for me also, that was a little, little light bulb that you can do different things than I thought you could do. And he wasn't building always like a strange new world, things, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it's not were... full-on fantasy, but no. I guess it's magical realism. Magical it's, realism. Yeah. But it, I just, and of course, he's the master of it. He does it so well. But I just love that he could do that and make it seem so normal that a strange thing was happening. Yeah. And yeah. Did, do you feel like that was an inspiration in your own work? Because you I certainly have a bit so. of that in the Luminous Sea. I do, for sure. I think I'm really drawn to that kind of writing. And I don't read a lot of actual true fantasy, uh-huh. um, but I love that magical realism. I just love real life, not quite real yes, life. Yes. Yeah. I just love that strange. Yeah. And I love lots of writers like that. Jeanette Winterson does a little bit of that mm-hmm. in some of the stuff she writes. Um, Michael Crummy certainly does it yes, in yeah. some of the stuff he does. Um and I find, too, um, some of the South American writers, you find them yeah. a little more. I know one of your books, Lair, that you love. Oh, do you have it? That's on my oh, list, too. Excellent. Uh, like Water for Chocolate by yeah. Laura Esquivel. Yeah. Is that right? Esquivel. Esquivel mm-hmm. um, is, you know, the same yeah. kind of idea. Where there's... And for me, that was my introduction to uh, magical realism also. Uh-huh. I love and, that book. Uh, yeah, the incorporation of food and magic and, and the way... Um, she kind of used it to elevate the kitchen and cooking in the kitchen mm. and did this whole spin on romance genre. And it, that, that for me, is one of those lifetime favorites books. Yeah. 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 And I think it often um, the books that we love are the books, they're sort of our first memory of a particular book experience. Yes. And so yeah. that was my first real magic realism right. experience that mm-hmm. clicked. And, yeah. and then, yeah, that's, that's yeah. how that was for me. Yeah, I do love books that have it. Like you say, everything is realistic except there's one thing. Like, have either of you read um, Exit West? No. Uh, it's on my to-read list. Yes. And it's it's a totally modern, realistic story about immigration and migration, except that in this world, to get from one place to another, you just open a door oh. and you can walk through. The doors are in certain places and all right. certain people know where they are, but you can walk through from one country to another just by opening a door yeah. and find yourself, mm-hmm. you know, leaving war-torn Syria and turning up in the suburbs of London, for example. And and just the interesting things the writer can do with the idea of migration by introducing that one sort of magical element is, it's so fascinating, you know. And that's another one that's available on audiobook through the public library system. Oh, yeah. yeah that so, it's on my list of yeah. 
Yeah. I, to I, listen I think, to books? I think I got it from the library, but as an ebook, not an audio book. I'm not sure. I get a lot, both ebooks and audio books, from the library, as well as the odd physical book. Big library fans <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> um, what are some of, of yours that you would say are like the pivotal or the, uh, the books um, that really made you who you are I, I know this is podcast but just just to share yeah I, think, I know visuals I but think she's this holding was my first book oh my goodness this is gorgeous Dean's gift book of nursery rhymes that my grandmother gave me when I was just a little tot oh that's lovely and um, you can see it's very well loved it's held together by masking tape yeah and, that is a very well loved book yeah. for sure and apart from um like the the language of nursery rhymes, mm-hmm. it taught me a lot of illustration and illustrated books. Oh yeah, because they're just beautiful. And when you read nursery rhymes now, you re- realize there's a lot of uh, racism, mm-hmm. sexism, and classism, yeah. everything For in sure, there. Yes. But it's still a book that I treasure and I love. Mm-hmm. And then uh, past that, I got into like like Melissa the. Nancy Drew and and Green Gables and mm-hmm. the, the Sweet Valley High. Sweet Valley High, <laughs> right? Yeah. Some of Nancy Drew a lot. Some of the Hardy Boys and Trixie Belden and oh, all yes, that crew. Yeah. Um, but who did who did I love past then? Oh, when I was about ten or eleven, I read Doctor Zhivago. Oh really? Oh my goodness! I read that in college. I can't imagine reading that at ten or eleven. Yeah, but I read it because I had a personal connection because I was named after that book. Oh, of course. The heroine yes. Lara, yeah. who ends up dying in a gulag. Um, <laughs> and the beautiful song from it is called Lara's. Yeah, theme. Lara's yeah. theme, somewhere my love and. And so I, I, I wanted to read the book, and uh-huh. my mother had it in her bookshelf, and I remember reading it in the backyard in the summer when I was maybe 10 or 11, uh-huh. and it was way over my head, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, it starts in Imperial <laughs> Russia in 1902 or something yeah. like that, and then there's, you know, revolution, and there's, uh, you know, Lara gets groomed by her mother's lover, and... Oh. And, um, you know, there's sex and soldiers and this, you know, fervent love affair for decades and all this stuff. It was way over my head on so many levels. Um, But I always felt the connection to that book and to Russia just Uh because, you know, she was my namesake. Yes. So so I read that. And um, later on, I think the book that... Um, cemented my love for historic fiction mm-hmm. forever and ever was Random Passage and Waiting oh, for yes. Time. Beautiful books, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, I went all through university and never read them. Uh-huh. Um, but just at a university, I went to work for Breakwater. Oh, yeah. And I felt bad about not having read one of their star books. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I sat down and I read it. And I remember, um, I think probably what a lot of people felt was, finally, this was Newfoundland's story. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, a connection to our history. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was, um, it's really has a place in my heart because of that. Mm-hmm. And it, I also had a big book crush on um, Ned Andrews. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Red Ned musical fun yeah. Ned. And when Ned died, I cried in public. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I cried in the library reading when oh. Ned died. Yeah. That's when you know you've got a good book when you, yeah. when you cry in yeah. public over the death of a character. Yeah. And there's the one scene, um, it was either in Random Passage or Waiting for Time, when um, Ned said to Mary Bundle, 
Mary, you're some lovely lady or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. And I, I cried over that. Oh. And, and I'm not really a crying in public person, but this <laughs> book was giving me all the feels. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So th- that's a special one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the books that you recommend to people? Like the books that you are always trying to get other people to read or telling them that, oh, you should read this. Do you have books like that? I think for sure. Well, like I said, yeah. The English Patient and anything by Garcia Marquez, I think everybody should have a go at once oh, in a yeah. while. Every year I read a big book. So uh-huh. once a year I sit down and I say, here's this brick of a book. And uh-huh. once a year I'm going to read a big book. Oh, that's a good policy. And usually yeah. I do it over, well, I start at Christmas mm-hmm. and it never is finished by Christmas. So it stretches <laughs> into the spring because it's always a big book. But um, a couple of years I, a, a couple of years ago, I read Moby Dick is my big book. Okay. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it so mm-hmm. much. Um, I found it um, because I like nonfiction. Yes, I loved. Yeah. I know a lot of people complain about the yeah, all the whale blubber where parts like, and everything. Here's you, whale you blubber. Would be loving that. I yeah. did. I actually really loved all those parts in between, and I found it really experimental. I mm. went into that book thinking, okay, here's a classic. I'm gonna. Yeah, this is the one I'm gonna slog through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found it more experimental than I thought it was gonna be, uh-huh. and I did, you know, take that away from it. I, Sometimes when you read a classic, you're like, okay, I'm going to read a classic. But yeah. sometimes you're also surprised, like, oh, it's a classic for a reason. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah. I think sometimes um, you forget that, that a classic yeah. is there for a reason. And I love Moby Dick, and I found it so experimental, and I found it so out there in what he was doing in terms of structure. Uh-huh. And even the storyline, you know, yeah. is not... What, I mean, he's chasing a whale and all that kind of stuff, obviously. But, but it's not straightforward. There is, there, yeah. It's not straightforward. And there's a lot about class in there, mm-hmm. and there's a lot about... You know the relationships yeah. between men, especially because mm. it's mostly men in that book, and how that works out on the sea, and you know, and about obviously how you hold on to your sanity, yes, and yeah. all those kind of things. So that's mm. what I recommend. I've a not lot read to it. Yeah. I recommend I read it, it in college, and you know, our class was very much like, oh my gosh, is there more whale blubber? <laughs> uh, a lot of I've actually gone back to reread a lot of classics that I read because I did an English degree in university, and it's nice to read them, you know, in later life, not under duress. Yeah, uh, not under the pressure of having to write a paper. But it's interesting that point about how experimental. And I think that's true of a lot of these nineteenth-century novels that we forget how yeah. much people were playing with the novel form. Like I'm always struck by um, uh, Vanity Fair, right? Thackeray's Vanity yeah. Fair. You know, at the end of that, he basically says. Uh, now our play is over, uh, put the puppets away in the box. And it's this whole, mm-hmm. you know, reminding the reader that this is just a novel, which we think of as this very postmodern thing. But in fact, 19th century writers were doing that yeah, and saying, absolutely. you know, look, be aware, I'm creating a puppet show for you here. That's mm-hmm. right. That really sticks with me. Yeah. And they're creating the novel. Yes. I mean, yeah, we forget like they the novel. The form they were and, inventing and, it. And so. they were much more... Uh, yeah, playing with it and experimental than we sometimes remember, yeah. I think. Yeah. So I recommend that one lots. For sure, yeah. yeah. And Lincoln and the Bardo, which you mentioned. You oh, yes, heard. yeah. I love Lincoln and the Bardo. That's the best book I've read, I think, the best new book I've read in the it's past three or four years. Beautiful And it's book, not, yeah. not everybody I speak to it like seems it. to be one of those love it or hate it yeah. no yes. middle ground books. But I, I it adored it. Yeah. I just adored it. I thought that was such a great book. I think it was one that, for me, it was, uh, and there's a lot of books in that category that I struggle with at the beginning, but end up really loving. And the thing that, and again, as a person who is a history nerd, I had such a struggle at the beginning with that book with the fact that he puts the real historical quotes along with fake ones with no attribution to tell you which is which. Which And I'm like, fake news! Like, (laughs) I can't this! (laughs) 
but once I kind of let go of that and recognize that that's his device and that's what he's doing in this novel, then I kind of sank into it and yeah. let, let myself love it. But mm-hmm. I think I almost cried. I might have cried in public at the end of I Lincoln think and the Bardo. I have too. I think I was, I was definitely close to tears. <laughs> <laughs> the last book I can remember kind of shamelessly crying in public over was Rebecca Mackay, The Great Believers, which I finished reading on a plane, which was probably a bad idea. <laughs> What about you? Are there books that you like to recommend or you would like to get other people to read? Um, One that um, took me by surprise was The Sound of a Wild Snail Eating. Oh, I've never even heard that title. Um, I kind of came upon it by design and by accident. Mm -hmm. There's this podcast called The Reading Women that I follow. I follow the the podcast and and their website and, Mm -hmm. and their social media. And they, um, last year, started a a year-long reading challenge Mm -hmm. where they uh, put up on their website uh, a sheet, I think about 20 reading challenges, Mm -hmm. um, so that people would read read books by women around Uh these particular items. And one of them was a book by women, by a woman with a chronic illness or about a chronic illness. Okay. And I live with chronic pain and illness, so mm-hmm. that sort of caught my attention. And one of the women who does the podcast does also. Mm-hmm. But I realized I hadn't really seen myself in literature or in books from that perspective. Uh-huh. And so I put on a call on Twitter and yeah. said, people, yeah. um, here's what I have to read for this reading challenge. Can you make some recommendations? Uh-huh. And a woman who uh, runs a Twitter feed called A Chronic Voice replied, you should read The Sound of a Wild Snail Eating uh-huh. by Elizabeth Tova Bailey. Uh-huh. And so I said, okay, because A, um, I love snails. <laughs> <laughs> I used to collect snails as a kid. I thought snails were, you know, awesome. I still think snails are awesome. Uh And I thought, it sounds like it was written for me. Oh, yeah. And so I picked it up at the library. It was a slight volume. And it was the most astoundingly beautiful thing ever. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's about this, um, it's a memoir, and Uh I don't read a lot of nonfiction. Uh I'm the opposite of Melissa as a reader, perhaps. Though I don't read memoir. Yeah, very, very little. I read tons of memoir. Very, very I I don't read a lot of memoir, although, you know, that because of that experience, I do read more now. Mm -hmm. Um, But she, uh, this woman, Elizabeth, um, like myself, contracted a mystery virus mm-hmm. and was laid low and very ill for a long time. And I could, you know, very intimately relate to that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of her caregivers bought in a pot of violets that had a wild snail in it. Mm-hmm. And this snail becomes her companion over her illness, which is mostly bedbound and housebound. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just really beautifully written. It's very contemplative. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about her experience of illness as a very isolating thing, mm-hmm. not just physically, but you know, socially. About you know, feeling fearful, but uh, but finding grace in it also. Mm-hmm. And the snail inspired a lot of that. Oh, wow. You know, she would watch the snail. Um, you know, watch how it moved. At one point, she she said it's like the best Tai Chi master she ever saw because really? it was so graceful uh-huh. in how it moved. She would watch what it would eat. It was company. And uh, so this book is, 
an amalgam of her experience and then later research that she did about snails. Uh-huh. So there's snail poetry, there's snail uh -huh. science, there's amazing things that nobody knew about snails before that book probably. Uh-huh. And it's just really, really beautiful. Oh, that's it's a short amazing. book and I, I specifically recommend it to people who are, you know, learning to live with chronic health problems, uh -huh. pain and fatigue or, you know, all those fun things. But I think anybody, it's about the connection between us and nature, mm -hmm. about, you know, grace and the human spirit and strength. And and it's just a really, really powerful book, mm -hmm. which has now um, been made into a short film. Oh, okay. Which is narrated by Daryl Hannah. Oh, really? From uh -huh. the, the Mermaid. Yes. Splash. Yeah, Splash. Yeah, from yeah. the 80s. And um, I think it's just started screening around the world in September. Uh -huh. Oh, we are in September. Yes, so, so, yeah. this month, so this month. So this yeah. fall. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. But I, uh, that's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. Oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah. yeah. You might also like, um, have you read Kate Davies? No. Kate Davies is a knitwear designer. She has a knitwear company called Kate Davies Designs. And if anybody knits, um, there's a sweater going around that has a, um, a border around the yoke, around the top collar of owls. It's like oh, yeah. repeating owls that uh -huh. some people might recognize. You see it on mittens, but that's her design. Okay. She had a stroke in her 30s, and she has a book called Handy Woman, which is mm -hmm. talking about her experience um, you know, and having to relearn all her motor skills on one side, include, and she did that, you know, partly she was a knitwear designer, so she had to relearn how to knit. Mm -hmm. And all, and it's a very, it has similar themes mm -hmm. as that about trying to find a way to move forward when you're a healthy person yeah. who's used to being mobile, yeah. who's used to doing yeah. everything for yourself and independent. She was a PhD, I think, mm -hmm. doing work in that. She's from Scotland. Um, and it's a similar um, story to that mm -hmm. and yeah. learning how to find your place in the world. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll look that one up. I'll give that one to you. Yep. I'll okay. That home. <laughs> Thank you. That sounds fascinating. Um, are there, and I guess you kind of touched on this a little bit with talking about, you know, seeking out a book about, about chronic illness, but what are there, are there characters in books that you really identify with or have you ever, ever read a book where you're like, well, this is really me or this really reflects my experience? I had a hard time. This is one of the questions. I, this <laughs> is one I had a hard time with. I could mm -hmm. not think. And I think I I don't read a book that way where I go into a character. I think mm -hmm. I'm looking more for the story. Because yeah. I was trying to, I was really pondered that before I came. Like, who do I identify with? Yeah. And I really had a hard time. And I and then I thought, that's a strange thing that I, <laughs> well, that I can't yeah. find a character. And I think maybe, um, I don't know why that is, but I think I just go into the story in a different direction mm -hmm. where I go into the whole story yeah. and are maybe more of an observer than more someone who sinks myself into the yeah. into a character There's in a that difference way. in how people read. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. I had real Looking trouble for, with that yeah. question. That's I couldn't come up with an answer to it, actually. <laughs> That's okay. It's not yeah. required. <laughs> for some people, it's a really interesting look into how they read and how they experience books, but everyone is different. How about yeah. you? Um, not so much lately, but I do remember as a child, mm -hmm. um, Joe and Little Women. Yes. Oh. I mean, everybody with a creative streak. And yes. so maybe, you know, you like to write or whatever. <clears throat> Felt like Joe or wanted yes. to be Joe. Yeah. And then um, it, back to Nancy Drew again. Oh, Nancy. Uh, <laughs> George, her pal, remember her oh, pal, Bess and, yeah. Bess and George? Yeah, I like George, too. Yeah. Um, I was, I think, as a kid, 
what back then we called a tomboy. Yes. And yeah. George was sort of that angle in that story. So yeah. even though I, I kind of wanted to be strawberry-haired Nancy Drew girl detective, <laughs> I felt more like George the tomboy's yeah. friend. Yeah. So yeah, I remember as, as a you know a yeah. young reader identifying with her. And maybe that's something we do more as young readers is find people. You know, I know, I mean, I've done this like 27 episodes of this podcast now, and it's very rare that I find women who don't say they identified with either Anne of Green Gables right. or Nancy Drew yeah. or Joe from Little Women. Like, there's certain, these these characters that we kind of hang our pictures of how to be a woman or how to be a girl on, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are, I know, well, you at least have brought a stack of books. You've brought it, you've list. got a list. <laughs> what are some of the others that, that when we were, you know, when I was kind of asking you to think about books, what are some of the others that you really want to talk about or that really have... Uh, have left a mark on you one way or another. Um, Jeanette Winterson is really my big find the past yeah. couple of years. I love Jeanette Winterson. She's British, mm-hmm. and she's written a bunch of books. Um, Orange is the only color, I think, is yes. probably the one that yeah. most people know. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite of hers is a book called The Passion, okay. um, which sends her back in time to the Napoleonic Wars, and there's a person fighting in the Napoleon, a man fighting in the Napoleonic Wars in Russia, and he eventually ends up in Venice, uh-huh. um, where he meets Ooh. this woman who's a gondolier, and he comes from a family of gondoliers, and according to legend in this story, uh, gondoliers have webbed feet, and they are able to navigate you know, the maze that is Venice. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in, uh, in an almost supernatural way. And so that's a book that I really love. And she has a little of that magic realism too, but I find um, it's a female perspective that you don't always get. Mm-hmm. That's not entirely true, I think, because you do get females in magic realism. You sure get Laura Esquivel, uh, mm-hmm. Isabel Allende, who I yes, love as course, well. Yeah. I love so much. But Jeanette Winterson does that too. And she has just such beautiful writing. Jeanette Winterson's sentences are gorgeous, the way mm-hmm. she weaves her stories, but her language is just so, so beautiful. That is so interesting, because I only know her from her memoir, Why Be Happy When You Could Be Normal, oh, which okay. I picked up yeah. 100% because of the title. Right. <laughs> Such a great title, Why Be Happy When You Could Be Normal. And I've not read any of her fiction. Oh, her fiction so. is so fantastic. I did a course at Munn uh, a few years ago, and the one I did this one course, and I felt like it was a gift that I took away from the course was this book I read about her, which was called Lighthouse Keeping, mm-hmm. which is about a, um, a little girl who grows up on the far top northern tip of Scotland mm-hmm. in, I think it's called Far Away or Terrible Scotland or <laughs> some kind of name that lets yeah. you know right off the bat that she's completely isolated. And she grows up in a life, lighthouse after, her, after she's orphaned, and she's orphaned because her, they live on a very steep hill, and at a certain point, it's windy, and the hill is so steep, her mother tips off the side of the hill when oh she's walking goodness. up it and just blows away. <laughs> yeah. And um, it has a lot of those same elements of magic realism. Oh, yeah. I love Jeanette Winterson. Oh, I've got to check out her She's great now. and yeah. really beautiful language. And I feel, I mean, I think she's won all kinds of awards, but mm-hmm. I don't know if she's known. Lammy and, Awards, for sure. Yeah. And she writes from a lesbian perspective, which okay, I don't yeah. think we see all the time no, either. I think she has yeah. a new release, a recent release. Oh, maybe yeah. she's done one of the series where they re where people rewrite the Greek myths as well. Because oh, I know right. Margaret Atwood did um, Penelope, mm-hmm. and uh, Jeanette Winterson has done one of those as well, where she rewrites one of the Greek myths from a yes. female perspective. Yeah. I love her a lot. Um, 
And I'm trying to, and this summer also I read a book called La, Mer- La Meravilla by Alfredo Vea Jr., which is, uh, again, along the same lines. It's a lot of magic realism. Uh-huh. Um, I've been trying really hard to read women as well, but also mm. books from other countries. And so mm. I find I'm trying to stay away from, you know, trying to stretch out a little bit and mm-hmm. find books from other places. Yeah, yeah, I've been and doing that, that be too. And that can be a challenge a little bit. Diversify, especially since I don't read a lot of literature in translation. Right. And that's, you know, that that's kind of a hurdle to leap over right. if, you, if you're trying to diversify your yeah. reading list. You I know? don't mind in translation. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, some I've read, Haruki Murakami. Um, yes. The Japanese writer, of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I just have him in my head and it flew away again. <laughs> just like that. Maybe I'll remember. Okay. <laughs> what are some of the others that you have in your stack of books there? Uh, I know you in brought my a few. stack, I have... Um, I don't read a lot of short fiction, mm-hmm. but uh, I found this summer Terry Doyle's Dig. Yes, wonderful collection. It is, and... Uh, Usually, I, I, there's something about short stories that takes me a while to warm up. Uh-huh. But these I loved from the get-go. Yeah. They're short. They're short, short stories. Yes. Yeah. And there's something about the way that they're condensed mm-hmm. that makes them very powerful. And they also feel very local, but also very universal. Yes. Yeah. And um, very believable. I love them so much that I actually made a playlist based on them. Oh, really? Wow. I, I've never done for a book before. I have, I've had them in my head before, but never actually got around to actually making the playlist. Ah. So this time I actually made the playlist. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so Dig by Terry Doyle. Yeah, that's, I really love. Yeah. And there's this one line in it that I keep saying in my head all the time. I can't stop. Oh, what is it? Um, you will get spit on. That's great. No, I'm I'm with you. I'm not normally a short story reader. Um, And I actually read that book before it was published um, because it was a contest judging thing. And it's, uh, yeah, there are some really memorable short stories in there, like stories Mm -hmm. that really linger with you. Yeah, it's got a very powerful voice. The other local book that I love recently is um, New and Collected Poems from Tom Dahl. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I've loved his his work for a long time, and this is something that I will dip into forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those books I keep by my nightstand. Yeah. Uh, I, I um, he's one of those poets who move me to weepiness. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so that's a treasure for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, in the really, really nonfiction vein, um, <laughs> Stouts, Millers, and Forky Tales, Insects of Newfoundland and Labrador from uh, Boulder Books. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've like seen, I said. I've seen the cover of that. Yeah, I loved, I loved um, snails and yeah. <laughs> other creepy crawly things as a kid. Uh-huh. And when I heard about this book, I had to have it. Oh, yeah. And um, it, it's it's great. It. It's a good size, it's good paper, it has really good um, uh, pictures and information. I only wish it could have been a whole encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there are about 300 species in here. Uh-huh. We have thousands in the province. Uh-huh. So I would like this to be a whole series. Like the book to be much bigger than it yeah, is. Yeah, right? yeah. I would like a whole series. I know it has to be a field guide, so it yes, needs to be something yeah. you can lug around. Mm-hmm. But it's a really great book. And um, I feel like a kid in a candy store, except for a creepy crawly store. Yeah. When I, think it <laughs> I just love it. The less popular kid in an insect yes. store. <laughs> 
And that does segue nicely into talking about local books. Um, what about you, Melissa? Are there any local books or authors that you're really excited about currently? I think everybody's excited for the new Michael Crummy book that's oh, coming yes. out. Yes. Yes. I don't know who's not in, excited when is about that? that. That's one. out, isn't it? I think it's, it's out, out just recently. I saw somebody buying it like, in chapters, yeah. but the library doesn't have yeah. it as no, a it's yet, brand, so. brand new yet. The Innocence. Yeah, I'm excited. So I'm very excited about that one. I read at Woody Point this year, and I read with a girl named Lindsay Bird, who's a poet from the West Coast. She's based in Cornerbrook. And she has a really great book of poetry out called Digtown. Mm-hmm. No. No. Boom time, not boom time. Boom time. Um, she worked um, in the oil sands in Alberta. Oh, okay. um, in the camps, yes. doing the in and out kind of thing. Up oh, there. this sounds familiar. I've heard somebody else talking about this book now. Yes, and it's yeah. really, it's a really fantastic book of poetry, and it's about her and her experience as a woman mm-hmm. um, working in the camps. It's about her, you know, just about how surreal those camps were and how removed they are from everyday life and from sort of the morality of everyday uh-huh. life. She also gets a little bit into the natural history and how beautiful the natural phenomenon of the tar sands is mm-hmm. and how that contrasts with, you know, what we imagine the tar sands to be or what the tar sands is doing to the natural environment. Mm-hmm. It is a natural phenomenon yeah. and we forget that it can be beautiful. Yeah. And so there's a lot going on. It's a little a slim book of poetry yeah. again and it's quite extraordinary. And uh, so I read that. I picked it up after the reading we did and uh-huh. I read and I sort of sat down on a park bench and read half of it and then said, okay, I gotta stop yeah. and I'm gonna save the other half for later. <laughs> so it was one of those books that I really felt that was mm-hmm. it's going to be I think that was going to make so I'm I mean, really excited talking about, about that perspectives one. you don't get a lot exactly like, yeah. not yeah. only writing about the camps but a women's experience about them and yeah. then through poetry that's yeah. it's really and it's very accessible and uh-huh. it's funny and it's beautiful and I can't recommend that one enough mm. the other book I'm looking forward to because I'm a knitter <laughs> um, last year um, the Saltwater Mittens came out with uh, Shirley yes. Scott and Christine Legros and there's yes. a sequel to that coming oh, out wow, well, really? I think classic 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 Knits, that one is called, uh-huh. um, and that's coming out with the second half and talking about all, you know, it has patterns and talking about traditional Newfoundland um, patterns and, mm-hmm. and knitwear and that kind of thing. So I'm excited for the second oh, half of great. that one. Yeah. And I've also just taken out from the Torbay Library, which I couldn't believe they had, the new Jeremy Charles book, Wildness, which is the big oh, yes. recipe book with yeah. these gorgeous pictures and talking about his philosophy of food and Ooh, eating from the land. <laughs> but currently it's rented by somebody else. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was me. I will so that's the ones I'm kind of excited locally oh, yeah. right now. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, you just mentioned the uh, whole oil camp experience. Yes. And I, from what I understand, Terry Doyle has a novel that's in manuscript form or he's working on or something, and I think it's maybe set at Bull Arm. Oh. I think you're right about that. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also looking forward to Sebastian Barry, the uh, Irish writer. Okay. has a new novel coming out in March 2020. Uh-huh. And I adore his work. Uh-huh. He is one of my favorites of all time writers. Um, I first read one of his books that was about World War One, and uh-huh. I can't remember how I came across it. Um, and I remember thinking, I'm not sure if I want to read another War War One book written by a man. Yes, <laughs> yeah, totally get that. But yeah. his writing is so freaking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and this story um, was 
It wasn't the whole band of brothers thing per usual. It had uh, lots of different layers. And it was about the Irish experience during the war and also about this whole family of Irish people. And so that was my first um, of, of Sebastian Barry's books. Uh -huh. And then I went down to read. He has two series, really. One, one is around uh, the McNulty family, and one is around another Irish family. Mm -hmm. And um, they're not really sequels or a series, but they're they all kind of loosely connected. And his writing, is ju it just transports me. And his last novel um, was... Was it Days Without End? Yes, Days Without End. I always mm -hmm. get mixed up with World Without End from yes. The Prayer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Days Without End, which um, won the Sir Walter Scott Historic Novel Award. Oh, okay. And it was the most unusual of his novels and also the most gorgeous. Uh-huh. Um, it, it starts off with this uh, young Irish guy who comes to America by way of Quebec mm -hmm. in the 1850s, and his family is dead, pretty much in yeah. Ireland. And uh, he he and it's written in this sort of um, it's written as this guy's memoirs, starting in about 1850. Mm -hmm. And um, so and it. He wasn't somebody who would have had an education, I think, uh -huh. and he sort of writes as if, he, as he would have spoken, but he has the most incredible insights into the the his own experience, the experience of that time, and then some sort of like philosophical right. you know, ideas about life. Um, so this young fellow comes to America. And you know has to make his way in the world and make a living, and he eventually ends up enrolling in the U.S. Army, mm -hmm. and um, there he meets the love of his life, who is John Cole, mm -hmm. and they go on and they make a family of their own in an unusual way, oh. and it's it's such a there's horrible violence because as, as the character um, admits quite readily, he said he realized his job was to kill Indians. Wow. Uh, there's horrible violence and there's such tender love and such beautiful writing. Mm -hmm. It is one of those books that um, will stay in my heart forever. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this next book coming out, A Thousand Moons, is uh, picks up with his adopted daughter who was, I think, maybe Cherokee or one of the other um, indigenous American people. And it's gonna tell her story. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I am so looking forward to that. Sebastian mm -hmm. Barry, if you haven't read him yet, check him out. I haven't, and uh, you, you give him a very good, uh, very good <laughs> recommendation. I really wanna yeah. check him out. He's now. also a playwright, and I have yet to read his plays, but that's on my to-do list. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's right now the Irish um, fiction laureate. Uh-huh. So he, he's highly regarded. Very good. Are there any other books that either of you wanted to talk about that we haven't gotten to? I always, as we, as I see the time getting down to the end, I always <laughs> ask that because I don't want anybody to bring in a book or have it on their list that we didn't get to talk about. Um, the one book I think that I would mention, mm -hmm. I've got a couple here, but yeah. Pablo Neruda, first of all, Oh yes. because we were talking a little about poetry, and I, yes. I don't read a lot of poetry, no, but I, um, I read it once in a while. I like it when it's accessible, because mm -hmm. I feel like I don't understand it a lot of times otherwise, yeah. but Pablo Neruda I love, and his are just so sensual and beautiful, mm. and just language is just dripping out of his poems, so I would mention him as someone that I aspire to, but will never reach, <laughs> um, but whom I, and he's my bedside 
poet. He's inspired. Yeah. Like I said, I don't read a lot of poetry, yeah. but I really yeah. adore him. Well, Tandar's very accessible poetry. It, yeah. Then I might try him. Yeah. 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 And the other one I would like to mention is Split Tooth by Tanya Tagak. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Which is, again, I think Like Lincoln and the Bardo is one of these books that you love it or you hate it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, and she has a really, the voice in that book is so strong and you're getting again a female perspective into an indigenous community in the north Mm -hmm. which is something that you don't get very often Mm -hmm. and I think that she's just doing such interesting things in that book it's a heartbreaking story as you can imagine in a remote indigenous community can be um, but I just really love that book she's, and can't recommend it enough. She's doing really interesting things with genre in it, too. Like, she I is. started out reading, like, oh, okay, I know what kind of book right. this is. And then a few pages later, it's like, and now there's poetry. And now there's, this seems like yes. a memoir. This seems like fiction. This bit seems, towards the end, it gets very magic real. It does, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, so I found that a really... I'm not going to say whether I loved it or not because I'm not sure yet, even though I read it last right. summer. Yeah. But I found it a really interesting mm-hmm. book. Like, and it's really, yeah. It is, and it's challenging. Yes. It's yeah. a yeah. book that challenges. I did love it. I just yeah. thought it was brilliant. But it definitely is a book, whether you love it or hate it, mm-hmm. I think is worth reading to the end. For sure, be- yes. For the challenge that it gives you about what you think about the world and what you think about writing and what you think about what a book is. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great. Yes, all that's of that, great, for sure. I yeah. did that one on audiobook again from the library. Did she, did she wasn't narrated she, herself? She did it herself, and that was a really excellent way to experience that book, partly because um, she has a beautiful speaking voice, mm-hmm. and um, she does music in parts. Mm-hmm. There's a little oh, bit wow. of throat singing. Yeah. Oh, I bet I would have yeah. loved it. As and a, and yeah. sometimes it's really nice if you've already read a book to re-experience yeah. it as an audio I book. Try that so that, um, that, yeah. that would be a really good one to double up on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I did that with um, ooh, Michael and Dace's Warlight. Oh yes, uh-huh. yeah, I which I loved in yeah. print, and then I listened to it again on um, audio, and there were things that I, I that I guess had sort of passed me by mm-hmm. in print that then in audio I I realized were really beautiful. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's nice to, to double up yeah. on format and, and re-experience That's the book neat. in another yeah. way. Yeah. Another one, and this is going to be my second podcast in a row recommending this one, uh, by an Indigenous writer that works really well on um, audiobook is Alicia Elliott's A Mind Spread Out on the Ground. Oh, I haven't read mm-hmm. that. You read that? Yeah, that's and she reads the audiobook herself. It's very, very powerful. Yeah, highly, highly recommend that. Yeah. Did you have any that uh, that we didn't um, get to? There are a couple more that I just want to mention oh, are on sure. my um, want to read list. Oh, good. Highly anticipated. Highly books. anticipated. Yes. Yeah. One is uh, Clara Bailey, The Moss House. Or Barley, sorry, Clara Barley, The Moss House. Uh Um, She's a British writer. Has anybody watched Gentleman Jack on HBO? No, I've heard about it, though. A lot of people recommend it. It has a really catchy closing tune, Uh which is stuck in my head all the time. Um, But it's about, um, in Yorkshire, this lady, Anne Lister, who um, was a lesbian who had a, a long affair and a marriage with um, another, Anne, Anne Walker. And this was during you know Victorian era. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anne Lister would have been a great character. She kept detailed um, diaries of her daily experience and her love affairs in code. Oh, 
Oh, really? And uh, years and years later, an ancestor found them hidden in the walls uh -huh. and brought them to somebody else who transcribed them oh. and who wrote uh, her biography. And then it became a TV show. And now uh, there's this historical fiction novel based on Ann Lister. Oh, so wow. that's The Moth House. And, oh, I, and yeah. I definitely want to read that. That's still to come out or is it out? Uh, that's, that's just recent, re okay, yeah. recent release. Um, I also want to read Michael Crummy's yeah, book that's high on my to-read <laughs> list. Another one high, high on my uh, to-read list that was just announced, I think, as uh, one of Reese Witherspoon's book club books. Oh, yes, yeah. It's called The Secrets We Kept by Lara Prescott. Okay. And uh, she must be another Lara who was drawn to Jack Dr. Zhivago <laughs> because this book is about that book. Oh, okay. And how that book was used by the CIA to try to infiltrate uh, Russia. Really? It was a true story. Wow. Yeah. So um, the CIA uh, thought that uh, it was kind of an anti-communism book mm -hmm. and was trying to get it into Russian hands mm -hmm. to, you know. Right. Yeah. And so I'm really interested to read that historical novel based yeah. on a book based on a book. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other one that I'm really anticipating is by Trudy Morgan Cole. <laughs> Because yeah. I've been following her on Twitter, <laughs> and she's been talking about this manuscript yeah. that I know she submitted to her publisher, yeah. and it's historical fiction, which is my happy reading place. Oh, well, I hope you like this yeah, one. It's, so, it's supposed to be out in September or October. They say September. I'm always hedging my bets on, yeah. is it going to get back from the printer in time? So I'm telling people October, but yeah. <laughs> we yeah. look forward to that one. So thank yeah. you. That's kind to say. I hope you like it when it comes out. <laughs> Well, if we've covered all the books that I think did, but we covered everything you wanted to talk about, is there anything we so. forgot? I think I'm good. All no, right. I think mm -hmm. I'm good. Okay, then I'm going to say thank you both very much. This has been a great conversation and uh, really enjoyed it. And thank I'm you. definitely going to be adding some books to my to-read list based mm -hmm. on this. Thank you. Thank you. And that wraps up my conversation with Lara Maynard and Melissa Barbeau. You can check out all the books that we talked about, as usual, in my show notes by going to my website, trudymorgancole.com, and clicking on the Shelf Esteem link. And be sure to check out particularly Melissa's highly acclaimed book, The Luminous Sea, which I read and really, really loved. I'll be back in a couple more weeks with some more great guests, and until then, I hope that you will read a good book and build your shelf esteem.